Hi, this is Sav. This is Katie. And this is Michael from The Accidentals. And you're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with Jay Gilbert and Michael Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business. From Billboard, one year of the Billboard Global Charts, the artists, countries, and trends that are shaping the global music scene. From Sherry Who, just how difficult is it to make a sustainable living from streaming? From Dave Cool, yes, that's his real name, 21 revenue streams for musicians. From Variety, music attorney Dina Lapolte marks 20 years in the biz and 20 lessons she learned along the way. We've got a lot of great stuff today. We are coming at you. It is the Your Morning Coffee Podcast. Stand by for transmission. This is London Coffee. Wake up! Your morning coffee is on the air. 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 Standing by. Your morning coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. And now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Well, Jay, it is nice to see you on this lovely Sunday morning when we record in my little iPad yeah. Pro here. I, I've realized that my it's a beautiful that day. I kind of like when, when people come in and they look at my setup here. A, it's not terribly <laughs> organized, but B, it's kind of lots of cords and cables, and I kind of feel my little Starship Enterprise like almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mine's a little cleaner now that I bought that Roadcaster. Yes. For those who like to record. Uh, want to do your own podcast, check out the Roadcaster Pro, R-O-D-E, Roadcaster. It's a crazy little device that makes um, recording podcasts just a joy and they make it so so simple. There's a big giant button that says record. Yeah, it's <laughs> really neat. So, it's such a great yeah, device. And uh, Jay and I have... Highly recommend well, we, you know, when you If you ever you, the audience, ever decide you might want to do a podcast, there's a bit of a ramp up when you kind of figure out your situation and how to record it and how to to, to take different, different files and everything. So Jay and I definitely uh, tried a couple of different ways of doing it until we landed on the on the way that we do it now, which is yeah. somewhat kind of, uh, I guess, well, other people do a similar thing. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. A lot of different software and platforms. You got to find what's comfortable you but it's a hell of a lot easier if you're in the same room i'll leave it at that which we are not <laughs> no we are not but uh 
listeners of the show know that we we do a little FaceTime so we can actually have a conversation yes. and see each other. And so even though we're not in the same room, it's better than just being on the phone. Yes, but we did do it. it I think we did do or were there just demos when we did it where we couldn't see each other. And that was really awkward and that was tough. It's so yeah. much easier now that you, we can. Yeah, our pilot. Yes, our pilot episodes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. By the way, the guy that I get to hang out with every week, he, his name is Jay Gilbert. He is the curator of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter, which is weekly music news for the new music business and a former executive with Universal, Sony, and Warner Music Groups, a serial entrepreneur and and he had cereal for <laughs> breakfast and probably you gotta think probably. he's got a little little skip in his step because his minnesota vikings won last week yeah they won in in uh really great style the uh the guy i get to do this podcast with every week is longtime host of sound and vision radio formerly of sst records warner music capital emi Universal music and a connoisseur of documentaries. And I do want to talk to you about a couple of documentaries. But before we do, how about that intro from The Accidentals? They have uh, a new album uh, that just hit Friday called Vessel. Super exciting. Super exciting. Oh, my gosh. Uh, This has been a long time coming. And it's just an amazing, amazing album. And I highly encourage everybody to take a listen. From crazy, talented people. (laughs) Crazy, talented. If you think you're good on an instrument... Look at them be good on like whatever you could throw up any instrument on stage and they'll pick it up and and wail on it. So it's it's super, super cool. Uh, By the way, you know, we do this show every week and we love it and we really appreciate everybody listening. But we could not do it without the uh, the care and support from our sponsors. And uh, Mm. we are sponsored by a lot of great companies that Jay and I have worked with over the years and are fans of. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so we are so blessed to have them. Including TiVo Music Data, and then I screw it up. Including TiVo <laughs> Music Metadata, uh, dedicated yeah. to bringing order to the chaos of digital music. TiVo Music Metadata offers obsessively deduplicated artist album and song IDs, expert written editorial content and ratings, verified images, weighted deep descriptors, similar artists, band members, and influences, authoritative credits, personalization, discovery and search APIs, purpose built solutions for classical music. And a global connected car platform linking broadcast radio with streaming. Jump over to yeah. TiVo.com slash music to get an idea of all the wonderful things they do to uh, to kind of organize, as it should be, uh, things yeah. in the digital music space. Yeah, we love them. Uh, Your Morning Coffee podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform. Makes it really easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built right in. Hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding, fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team. I'm trying to spit this thing out, man. It's just... (laughs) I need another cup of coffee seven days a week. Your morning coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code morning coffee, all one word, and you'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code morning coffee. And we are also sponsored by Hypebot. Since 2004, Hypebot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. Edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Owen Davis, Hypebot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. 
Yeah, bands in town. Over 55 million live music fans. They trust bands in town. They give them personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist services platform connecting over 530,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Yes, indeed. Thanks to all we certainly appreciate it. Could not do without any of them. So we are we are. Th- Truly blessed. Hey, so let's talk documentaries before we jump into the stories. Please, please. Okay, so you watched, and I read, I've read. i read a review of this. I've not seen it, the Muhammad Ali documentary, which is the Ken yes. Burns one, which has nothing to do with music. Oh my gosh. But is, it doesn't, although there is music in it sure. of the eras that he's uh, you know, uh, fighting in. But what a fantastic uh, documentary. Um, look, you and I will watch documentaries on how cardboard is made. I, we just love <laughs> seeing how you know the sausage is made across things. But um, I highly recommend it. Um, but the other one you had told me about, and I haven't seen it yet. What was it called? Count, Count me, me in. in. It's on Netflix, and it's a it's a drummers documentary about drumming and drummers. And uh, even for non musicians, it's it's wonderful. It's it's a very uh, it's it's a lovely sweet documentary. So it's it's really interesting to watch. And then I've been watching the Sound Exploder, or Song Exploder, not Sound Exploder, Song yes. Exploder, which is of course so a great podcast. And now a, Rishikesh a, away. Yeah, exactly. And now a great uh, series on Netflix as well. And I just watched the one last night for Losing My Religion, which they, they go with all the guys in REM and talk about the making of that song. So it's wonderful. And uh, Oh, I can't wait. Oh, gosh, there's just so, so many. And then, of course, we talked about the Mark Ronson series, and that's a great one. Yeah. And again, not, not enough hours in the day to get in all the great documentaries that are out there. Yeah. You know, my, my favorite song exploder... Um, was the Rivers Cuomo uh, from Weezer and learning how he writes uh, songs and pieces them together and creates a song. It's unlike any other uh, songwriter I've ever heard. And it, I highly recommend Now, it. was that the podcast version or the, or the TV version? That was the podcast okay. one. This is like, oh gosh, three years I'm ago. I'm way behind it's, on the podcast ones, so I gotta, I gotta yeah. get, get more serious. Yeah, look this. at the Rivers Cuomo okay. one. I think you'll really dig and it. And then uh, I, there's also one uh, on the on the uh, Netflix series with uh, Trent Reznor talking about how he wrote Hurt. And, uh, oh my goodness, it's, I, I haven't watched that one yet, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. ready for all of it. So so good. So the, the theme this week uh, in your morning coffee is really all about monetization. And we're going to talk about some stories here about monetization. Um, but there's also some stories that we're not going to talk about today because there's so much in, in your morning coffee this week. But take a look at, there's three stories in, the ro- in a row uh, about monetization. Mm-hmm. One's about TikTok. One's about Roblox, and the other one's about Fortnite. And then there's a really good piece um, that just we just had so much to talk about this week, we couldn't get to everything. Um, but there is uh, an article from Idol, um, and it's uh, an interview with uh, Jen Massé from, uh, from Spotify. Mm-hmm. And I've had the pleasure of meeting her. Um, I met her at the uh, Spotify offices uh, a couple years ago. Um, just an amazing person. She comes from uh, the indie world, and she's all about helping. Uh, and she's a worldwide lead, I think, on on indies at at Spotify. Anyway, really, really great piece. Um, so make sure you uh, you check out as those always. Lots coffee. of great articles that are must reads. So uh, 
definitely yeah. worth checking out. Well, let's jump into the first one, Jay. Uh, this is from Billboard. Uh, one year of the Billboard Global Charts, the artists, countries, and trends that are shaping the global music scene. As you may know, Jay, it's a global business. It is not it really only is. here in the uh, United States. And so we are talking about, this is kind of year to date, and it's comparing last year with this year. And yeah. oh my goodness, it is I learned a lot from this thing. Totally. And this just so people know, there there are two charts. Um, there these are new charts. Mm-hmm. They've only been around for a year. Um, one is global and then one's global excluding US. So it's an ex US right. thing. Exactly. And these things launched in September of 2020. So even though this isn't a full year, I think it's year to date, right? Yeah, it's, it's basically not. January 1st through the end of August, I believe. And But it gives you a pretty good snapshot oh, yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. What's and we're on. talking, you know, 200 countries are are kind of polled in this. So, you know, one of the things, I mean, it's it starts off with talking about the fastest growing global streaming markets year to date 2021. Uh and yeah. interesting, as always, interesting. So the number one fastest glo- growing st- uh, global streaming market is Japan. And we've talked about Japan mm-hmm. a lot because they're kind of the last bastion of physical product. And here yeah. they are. 81 tower stores. In 81 Japan right still. Now, I, I that's right. Yeah. And yeah. so here we are. But they are the number one fastest growing global streaming market so far. So that's yeah. interesting. And then and then, uh, it's always fascinating when you see a, a, a country that you're not necessarily I'm not terribly, I mean, I know enough about it, but it, it's popped up there. Number two is Turkey. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then number three is Russia. So when you look at a, a, a country the size of Russia, that's saying something. Then Poland. Yeah. And uh, interesting, the, the UK is number five. You would think the UK yeah, would have been- Yeah, fastest growing. Yeah. So that's yeah because it was early to the game and we we watch you know our artists you know streams and and where they're coming from in Spotify for artists Apple Music for artists Amazon Music for artists you know those kinds of platforms as well as distribution dashboards so we can kind of get a sense so there weren't a lot of surprises in this top 10 uh, for us I did notice that globally streaming was up just about 26% Oh did you hear that mm-hmm. I just heard a loud static nope. Catch that? I hear that. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, so streaming was up globally 26%, and that's right in line with it was up about 27% in the US. And then, of course, downloads um, were down 14.2%. So it looks as though, in a lot of ways, the global market is very similar. Um, to the U.S. market as far as performance. Yeah, exactly. One of the also things I, I was thinking about when I saw the top 10 uh, um, uh, uh, fastest growing streaming markets, uh, Mexico, Spain, and Chile. So three of the 10 Spanish speaking. And then you've got the yeah. Philippines, number nine in there. So so again, it's, it is a really interesting mix of of all these countries that are moving into, into, yeah. into streaming and in a big way. Well, well, you mentioned, you know, they're, they're Spanish. There's on, on page 10 of this report, it talks about the hits, you know, year to date, about 81% were sung in English mm-hmm. and almost 13% were sung in Spanish. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, the, the U S artists made up a little over half yeah. of the total songs that, that charted. And we talk about that a lot, how, uh, a lot of the music is coming from a lot of different markets now. Um, it, it, UK had about 11% of, uh, but to your point, Puerto Rico was almost 10%. And 
that was like the number three yeah, territory, which is really interesting. It's like really, you know, Puerto Rico is not that big of a country, and yet here they mm-hmm. are. And uh, yeah, it, it's it, it is a global business, and especially when we worked in the business, you know, you always had the international offices um, and in territories, and yeah, unless you were really in uh, in the international department. You really had no sense in those days, at least, uh, of what was going on in the rest of the country and the rest of the world. Excuse me. Well, that changed um, earlier at Universal. I I can't speak for um, Warner because I wasn't there yet. But when I worked at Universal, the last four or five years I was there, we started meeting with the heads of the other territories and talking about our releases and getting more coordinated. So, but you're right. For years. Um, it's, it reminds me of our conversation about publishing. Mm-hmm. Like for years, we didn't know who those people were in that building. Yeah. And, and, and now we do. A couple of points uh, from this thing that, that I thought were really interesting is there, there's some things that were surprising and things that weren't. One that wasn't super surprising was that they said that 55% of, listener, of U.S. listeners um, listen to rock and 86, 86% of those listen to classic rock. Not not a huge surprise, um, but they also talk about how viral hits is kind of a new thing, right? Mm-hmm. They talk about Fleetwood Mac Dreams, you know, Boney M. Rasputin, uh, Nathan Evans, Wellerman. And I think as we go forward, these platforms like TikTok, you're going to see more and more of these kind of viral hits. Right. And then one of the things they also talk about is collaborations. And we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast is how... You know, if, if 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 I could kind of, there are always collaborations historically speaking, but you sure see it a lot more now. And uh, they basically talk about Jason Derulo, who we talked about. Was that last week? I think it was last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know how he's really. I mean, he is just jamming on on the collaborations, but how that is really such a big focus or no, such a big basically just what's happening out there with with all of these hits around the world is is you've got this collaborative. Uh, environment where and it's it's so much easier to do now oftentimes these artists never meet in person they just trade files and it's back and forth right no problem easily done now in this world of of digital recording so right they can do co-writes they can do remixes uh, all sorts of things remotely to your point they don't have to be in the same room anymore and i think we talked about it uh, in the last couple of weeks how you know um someone had taken a look at the hot 100 and the average number of co-writes was like north of four and a half right um average and that's that's changed over the years um it's that's a lot of uh a lot of co-writes it is it really is the other thing they mentioned of course and we've talked about this as well is uh they just call it the old (laughs) We've all seen it. Uh, you know, it's it, basically this this kind of um, the classic music being repurposed or at least be made aware of and how important that is to global streaming, the, the, the percentage of, of what we used to call catalog hits is gigantic. And yeah. they, they have a big picture of Fleetwood Mac for, of course, Dreams with, with the, uh, the TikTok video that made uh, Apodaca an overnight sensation um, and yep. brought in. Yep. Is, that, is that how you, is it Apodaca's? I've, I've never actually said it out loud. It didn't sound right, but whatever. I assume that's that the, the name is correct. But um, yeah, you know, and and yeah. and 
And here we have 20th century classics in 2021 as ranked on the global uh, uh, excluding U.S. charts. So these are these are outside of the U.S. And we've got songs from the 60s, Sweet Caroline from Neil Diamond, from the 70s, Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody, Dreams from Fleetwood Mac. Um, you know, all of these, these things are taking up so much streaming bandwidth, basically catalog stuff. And uh, we mentioned right. the, the head of BMG last week's talk about all of the major labels putting so much emphasis and money towards new artists when in fact a lot of their streaming revenue is coming from catalog artists and he was kind of questioning uh, the the wisdom of spending that much money on new artists that basically take up a a relative not a relatively small but not as big a of chunk as catalog artists do well it it's been evolving um, because what's catalog is 18 months or older so you know those things that are still selling and still are you know hit records um, fall into that category that that bucket hmm interesting and well and, and as we were gonna kind of alluded to you know it's the, the new release business is an expensive business. You remember we oh, looked at, yeah. at the at the Justin Bieber marketing breakdown of everything that his label did leading up. Now, of course, that was a a super successful album, but still, it is it is a high stakes uh, table that you're playing at when you're talking about art pop new release artists, and yet, as you know, whatever the number is, seventy five percent, seventy percent is just that that rolling catalog and as we talked about last week which of course uh, you know is is exemplified by all of these purchases of catalog over the yeah. uh, over the last few months by these new new yeah. organizations that are just pouring dollars into that because that's what is driving the bus when you look at at uh, market share absolutely of, yeah yeah so, it reminds me of when when we were working together at universal we did what they call re-engineering and that's when universal kind of merged with polygram and we had some consultants come in and one of them you know this is from outside of the business was, was saying <laughs> i that, remember this yeah you that you know from their uh data we needed to release less new developing artists and more of the hit artists and it kind of goes to your point you know you have to spend money to make money you have to develop artists and that's an expensive proposition sometimes you know we were reading this article a while back that was saying that you know 93 percent of the music business you know of those releases aren't recouped you know they're not successful so it's that other seven percent that drives the revenue to make it so these labels and now distributors can invest money into it so catalog is that's the cash cow absolutely absolutely and again we're talking about you know we if you're talking about uh bohemian rhapsody that's an that's a song that came out in 1976 Mm -hmm. you know that's going back decades upon decades and it still resonates and it's still making lots and lots of money so it's an interesting era time you know so when we were listening to you know we were both alive when bohemian rhapsody came out that would be the equivalent of listening to a song that had come out in the 1920s and that just wasn't happening at at that time so right it's 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 so different now historically speaking in terms of of the life of catalog and how that just continues to to earn money and earn money but it still resonates with young people in a way that that didn't used to happen at That's all right. 
That's right. Uh, so, but anyway, fascinating article. Uh, the MRC Global Annual Report comparing nations, what's going on in the world at, at large. Really yeah. wonderful take on it. And yeah, the first one. The first one, and it is a global business indeed. So mm-hmm. let's let's move on to the next one. Now, this is from Sherry, who our good friend, <laughs> your good friend. I don't really know Sherry. Well, you know, I, I certainly know Sherry, and she's been on the podcast, and we've had conversations. Um, I think the world of her, and I subscribe to her Patreon, and, you know, she is one of the best um, analysts, writers, music fans out there. Um, so I read everything that she uh, that she creates. And this is a piece, um, typically, um, she charges, I mean, she has a Patreon. So, and there are places that you can only get certain pieces. This is not one of those. This is through her water and music, which is, you know, it's a newsletter, it's a podcast, it's a website. And, um, this is a free article. It even says so. And the headline is just how difficult is it to make a sustainable living from streaming? And like I said, this, the theme of this podcast today is really all about monetization and all of these articles really, um, kind of complement each other, you know? Um, and she's talking about really streaming only. And, and we're going to get into the, the next piece where we talk about all sorts of different revenue streams for musicians, um, so that that fits perfectly. But this one's really all about streaming. And she just asked the question, you know, what does it really mean to make it as an artist? Right. And she says, and then she really, she said, then she kind of reframes and refocuses the question, which is what does it really look like for an artist to sustain themselves off of streaming, the largest source, obviously, of music consumption revenue yes. today? Yep. So, you know, and, and, Boy, that's that's a different question, or it's a different statement, I suppose, or question. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and she said, you know, this leads us to our main data points for this week: a sustained achievement of around one million. She's talking about the UK now because right. there, there was there is some data out of the UK, so she's kind of using that as a as a signpost. A sustained achievement of around one million UK streams per month may be some kind of guide to a minimum threshold for making a sustainable living out of music, at least in cases where UK streams are complemented by non-UK streams and other sources of income. So she's talking about, you know, what what do you need? And and they basically say that they the uh, the activity would need to be make about three to five thousand a month in royalties from streaming in the UK. So that's kind of a living wage. And how many people do that? And how hard is that? And she basically says, listen, you're only really talking about 0.4% of artists that are able to make that kind of money. Right. And that's that's not a ton. I think in the UK, it's something like 1,700 odd artists. Right. So right. Not, not odd in terms of weird, but odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's roughly 1,700. Yeah. Um, I, I would and, argue that... Um, th- this is saying that in order to make a living from streaming, well, mm-hmm. that's, that's not how you make your living. Uh, right. And most artists cannot make a living, not only from streaming, but as we've been talking about lately, sales streams and downloads, the commerce side of this business, a lot of artists can't make a living, uh, from those three things. And so they need other things, you know, they, they need, uh, to sell merch, they need touring revenue, they need sync licenses. 
Um, they sell experiences. There's a lot of things. And again, we're going to get into monetization even further in the next piece. But this is really all about streaming. And, and if I can do a shameless plug, um, I wrote an article that's coming out this coming week, and we can talk about it next week. And the headline is The Five Things You Need to Know About the Economics of Streaming Music. And we dig really deep into, you know, the pro rata model versus user centric and some of the misconceptions around streaming. And when I read this article, she, she's done some really great research here. And she talks about how a lot of the revenue is coming from catalog, right? And most mm-hmm. of the revenue is also coming from the majors, not non-majors, as she put it. Um, she made, uh, Three three points, you know, for those seventeen hundred you know artists that you um, mentioned, um, and these are artists where their body of work generates at least a million streams a month. And she said to keep in mind that number one, most of these streams are for older releases, like we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So arguably, arguably they skew away from emerging artists. Number two, these artists likely have major label resources that enable them to achieve this streaming threshold. Again, we just touched on that. And then number three, the major label artist majority in this segment also won't get access to the lion's share of the revenue gener- generated by those streams due to the nature of major label recording contracts. And we talk about this every week, and this will be in that article that's coming out this week. And that is that, Typically, the, you know, the people getting paid are the rights holders, not the artists, unless you're a DIY artist. And there's a record company contract that tells you how much money or what percentage uh, royalty you're going to get uh, from that streaming. So it is terribly challenging to make a living uh, from streaming. The, the revenue just really isn't there unless you're one of those superstar artists because we talked about this a little bit that it's anywhere from three to $5,000 you get for a million streams. And when I say you get, I mean the rights holder or you as a DIY artist, less any distribution fee you have. Well, and it's, I think it it would be fair to mention too, that even in, in pre-streaming music industry, a lot of artists did not make or made very little money when, uh, in terms of record royalties or album royalties, you know, especially if you were like a band where you is, it was split five ways or four ways. And you were even, even with sort of moderate success, you, you, you may not have made all that much money even in the, in the sort of classic album period. So, you know, this is always, it's, it's of course much more, um, accelerated in terms of, of, of how little you can make, but still yeah. a lot of, a lot of folks in the, in the, in those years did not make very much money from album royalties. Yeah. Like sometimes live business. Yeah. Sometimes they weren't recouped, right? They might right. get an advance and that Oftentimes. may be the only money they ever saw. I was talking to someone from a really big eighties band who told me even after all of the hits that they had, they're still not recouped yep. <laughs> to this day. But I also read that there are some artists that are making a lot of money from streaming. So there's kind of that new developing artist. Then there's that middle class that we talked about last week um, from that wonderful piece from Midia and Mark uh, Mulligan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the superstars. But if you read, you know, these releases from like AWOL, you know, they said that their artist rosters, you know, um, the, the, the number of people earning over a hundred thousand dollars in streaming has grown by over 40%. And even Spotify has been saying that the number of artists on their platform generating over $50,000 a year is up 80%, 
you know, in just the last four years. So there are people who are making money uh, from streaming, but in order to generate that kind of money, you know, you're going to have to be one of these, you know, big uh, K-pop or Latin music is, is really big right now. And urban hip hop, some of these that have not just tens of millions, but hundreds of millions of streams. Right. She does end the article with, with a big line that says, what DSPs won't tell you. Love it's, that. It's getting harder. So she said, one of the revelations that she uh, that hit her as she was reading through the UK IPO report is what is missing from a lot of discussions about what it takes to make it, in quotation marks, in streaming, is that the number of streams an, artists, an artist needs to make a sustainable living today is significantly higher than it was five years ago. It's not just that rising competition in the marketplace makes it harder for artists to be heard or that artists are recording, writing, and producing songs in larger teams, splitting their revenue pie into more and more fragments. It's also that the overall streaming pie is not growing as fast as the number of artists who are releasing new music. And we've talked about this a ton. What is it, 60,000 new tracks? 70,000 new tracks a being day. uploaded a day. So that's like a half a million a week. Yeah. And that's a lot of music. Um, but I think the key takeaway for me in this is we're talking about monetization, and this will lead us beautifully into the next piece, is uh, the part that jumped out at me was she said that platforms like Spotify and Apple Music could start offering alternative revenue models to artists on their platform. You know, perhaps models that reward diehard fandom, not just passive consumption. And you and I talked about Tencent, you know, in in China and how only 30% of their revenue really came from music streaming. Uh, The rest of it came from other sources, including tipping, which culturally is is more uh, relevant in, in that market. But I think she's absolutely right. If you put aside those other revenue sources that we're going to talk about in a second, um, if you're just talking about platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, there is a play there for experiences. And, you know, yes, they have merch there, other types of products. You know, maybe it's a uh, like a Patreon model where you can support uh, tip or subscribe to, you know, your favorite artists. But that's I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's it's again, you know, it, it we we talk a lot about how important it is for artists to actually, you know, get revenue and, and sustain themselves, and how hard it is, and and getting harder, and yeah. that's yeah. just the reality out there. Um, yeah. But again, there the you look look back to the earlier years in the music industry, the old music business, and that was it was still an issue back then, even. But uh, yeah. a far far fewer artists out there competing with each other. So. Yeah. yeah, let's move on. So the next one, this uh, from the, the wonderfully named Dave Cool, 21 revenue streams for musicians. This is on ASCAP, wasn't it on, on there? Yeah, uh, he did a, a video and you can download the slides. Um, there's a link in your morning coffee if you want to just download the, uh, the slides from this. And some of this stuff you're going to know, um, and some of it's fairly obvious, but some of it is not. And, you know, it's 21 revenue streams for musicians. And, you know, I know Dave, I've been on some panels with him. Um, he is, he and uh, Banzoogle are um, a sponsor of this podcast, and we really appreciate all of that. And since we're talking about monetization, I thought we could kind of just run through uh, these 21. Um, the first, I would say, five are ones that we cover 
every week. You know, selling CDs, vinyls, cassettes in some areas. I have a client who's putting out cassettes. Uh, downloads to a lesser degree and then revenue from streaming. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about beyond that kind of basic um, music, sales, streams, downloads. What else have we got? Well, how about, of course, playing live shows, make money with live streams. And, you know, now that we're out of the, uh, uh, well, in quotation marks, out of the pandemic, not really, but but it, the, the pandemic effects have lessened, I suppose. And and a lot of the artists I know you work with were, were, were making money with live streams. And I think we've, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, is this something that's going to continue and always be a source of revenue potentially for artists? And I think... We both think it will be in some I in some so. manner, shape, or form. Absolutely, and um, you know it, wh- how that will how that works out with each band is is a little bit different, and of course, it's different for what your fan base is like. But this is something that even in a post-COVID, you know, more live more live opportunities, I think this is still absolutely a viable thing for folks to do. Yeah. And, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think it's really important. Yes, playing live shows for those that can do it. That's where the revenue is because that's where a lot of the you know, merch sales are as well. But to your point about making money with live streams, you know, I have artists that I would love to see more of, but I'm not going to go to multiple uh, cities to see multiple right. dates. I may see them when they're you know in town locally. Um, so I think for your hardcore fans, making a lot more of your shows uh, available. Um, can generate some extra revenue for you. Uh, Banzoogle members, by the way, generated nearly four hundred thousand dollars from live stream ticket sales and tips in the first six months of the pandemic. So, wow, there is money there. You know, yeah. make and of course selling merch, and that is something that, um, especially for DIY artists. I mean, you know, it's you you spend your your hard earned sweat equity writing songs and and working on the performance aspect hopefully of your of your whatever music you're 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 producing yeah yeah but people want to buy stuff and they want souvenirs especially now i have two artists that are on the road right now that it's almost a 50 50 split between the money they make for playing the show and the amount of money that they earn uh selling the merch so it's a big big deal to have um, that merch out on the road with you on your website, let people know about it. Uh, you can set up your own store, you know, through uh, your Banzoogle website, lots of places you can do that. The only thing I would add to um, selling merch, and I didn't see it in the piece, was selling experiences. You know, you and I've talked a little bit about how some of these artists are um, selling things like, I will. Uh, do a video singing happy birthday to you or mm-hmm. or to a friend. But it can also be, I'll play guitar on your recording. I will record a cover song just for you. There are all sorts of great experiences that artists are doing now and generating some meaningful revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, we talk about crowdfunding a lot, but as as he mentions, it shouldn't just be treated as simply a way to make money, although it can, of course, do that. It's also about making a connection with your biggest fans. Bring them along the creative journey with you from songwriting. Like you're talking about recording it to release, you know, it's, it's so easy now to connect with your fans and to... You know, in in the early days of recording, you know, if you wanted a guest on on a song you were working with, you had to go to the recording studio with them and all that stuff. We have the technology now to to make meaningful connections uh, remotely, 
And yeah, that's a absolutely. huge, important, important thing to remember. And right. it goes so far with, with, with your fans to get a phone call or to just hear something that they couldn't get anywhere else. And right. all of these things are so easy to do now. You just got to do them. Yeah. And I think that when you talk about crowdfunding, um, you, you talk about, let's say, you know, Patreon. I subscribe to several Patreon. You know, I subscribe to Sherry Who's Patreon. Uh-huh. Um, and there's also platforms like uh, Twitch. And, and the reason I bring that up is uh, Jay Gregory, for example. Um, you, you know, when I've, I was watching him, you know, um, I was subscribing to his uh, Twitch channel. And basically, I got to watch him record his new music. Right. And that was really cool seeing how the sausage is made. But there's also, to your point, a deeper connection. There is, you know, um, at least on Twitch and uh, some of these other platforms, they'll see that you're in the room and they'll say, mm-hmm. oh, hey, Jay's here. How you doing, man? You know, and there's that connection that you just don't get other ways. But to just put an exclamation point on that, you are absolutely right. With technology now, um, you can co-write. You can record with someone you can connect with someone and you don't have to be in the same room anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Just moving down the list, you know, a couple of sort of basic, not that basic, but some sort of business principles. You got to make sure you're, you're, you're signed up with some of the PROs, the public performance royalties you would get, mm-hmm. the performing rights organizations, ASCAP, BMI, et cetera. And then another one on here that he's got, which a lot of people forget about, is make sure you join Sound Exchange. Absolutely. Yep, that, that is non-interactive. That that can be a lot of money uh, for some folks. Exactly. We're talking Sirius XM, satellite radio, Pandora, webcasters, cable TV, music channels. Mm-hmm. All of those folks pay into Sound Exchange, and if you're not on there, you're not making money from them. So make sure you're on there. Um, and of course, making money from your YouTube channel, Jay. And do you, do you have a lot of artists that, that successfully do that? There's so many people out there with YouTube channels these days. It's it's, it's not a, a lot of revenue, but I think with all of this, it's all about making sure that all of your T's are crossed, you know, and all of your I's are dotted. Meaning that there are all of these different revenue streams. Make sure, like you said, that you're registered with Sound Exchange and your PRO. And for YouTube, you're may, maybe you're not going to get rich off of YouTube, but as you get more content, I hate using that word, on YouTube, um, and you get advertising against it, it can be good revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, you know, we have always called mailbox money, you know, you just, it doesn't take that long to sign up for them. And then you just kind of, you know, that's all you got to do. And, and it's, it's something that everybody should do. But again, you know, so many artists are not necessarily business savvy. and, And we've talked about all the resources that are out there to to become more business savvy. And of course, yeah. the, great, the greatest book of all by Don Passman, which sure. is everything you need to know about the music business. Make sure that's on your shelf. I would add to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, she, uh, they also, he also mentions apply for music grants. In my day job, I have done a lot of grant writing. And ah. you'd be surprised what money is out there for various things. And there's a lot of arts organizations that, that, uh, that will give you some sort of funding for various projects. So do kind of check that out. Yeah. It's certainly important. And of course, they also he also mentions do session work and teach music. And that has always been a lot of very famous people started out as guitar teachers, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. So, you know, all of these things to kind of think about as... 
different revenue streams for musicians as we kind of move through the the new music business and what's out there and what opportunities are there. And there's a lot of stuff to keep keep track of, but there's a lot of opportunities. Yeah, download those slides. Uh, yeah. Make sure that you check off those boxes. Really, really well done. And then our last article, Jay, is a really, again, you know, 20 years in the biz. This is uh, a music attorney, Dina LaPolte, and she's been in the business for 20 years. And she's talking, this is in, from Variety, by the way, uh, 20 lessons she has learned along the way. And I think uh, I was I was somewhat surprised by a couple of them, given... Uh, <laughs> Well, let's go through them. So these yeah, are yeah. 20... Before we do, yeah. just really quickly, um, I, I wasn't aware of this, but uh, she, she uh, you know, has worked with you know Aerosmith, uh, well, well, with Steven Tyler anywhere, you know, rappers Offset, Twenty One Savage, Cardi B, and even the late Eddie Money. Um, and and I love that she is, you know, it fits our theme here of basically monetization, mm-hmm. and and also you know uh, fairness. Um, so I, I really um, got a sense of what a great person uh, Dina Lapolte is. Um, but I, you and I were kind of talking before we hit record, and I've always been fortunate, you know, growing up in the business that I had a mentor. And you know, when I was at Universal, that was a gentleman named Bob Schneiders. And you can learn so much uh, having a mentor. And that's kind of how I see this Dina Lapolte piece is that she's she's been around she's been doing this for 20 yeah. years and she's she's got a few things uh, some nuggets here so let's let's take a look at them yeah so one of the things she says she's learned is what not to do i've learned more from mistakes made by others and by watching people <laughs> behave saying to myself i will never do that or i will never be like that yeah. so yeah. Absolutely. You know, learn about what not to do. I love this next one. Never lie or over-exaggerate in deal-making. Now, Jay, we've been in the music business for a long time. I never saw any lying or exaggerating. I'm sure no, you haven't either. You take so I was back. Kind of, I was shocked to hear that that that, that this happens, A. Uh, but she says, the business is small and lawyers and executives change companies. People will eventually find out you were not truthful and it always comes back to bite you. Good advice. I would say that for sure. And yet, I saw it so much. I never saw it bite. Well, maybe maybe they were in the end bitten, but I saw people just doing it all the time. So anyway, uh, she also mentioned place principles before personalities. There are a lot of big personalities and egos in the music business. Don't take anything personally and just focus on getting the job done. Yeah. Easier said than done. But uh, yeah, but, but you know, that is that's probably the best thing to kind of keep in mind. She also mentions avoid the deliberate manufacture of misery. Boy, have we seen that. <laughs> Life is complicated without sprinkling any self-induced negativity or alternative facts into the situation. Yeah, some yeah. people just can't get out of their own way. Um, and one of my favorite ones is number five, you know, be consistent. Uh, she says, in looking at all lawyers I respect and admire, the one thing they all have in common is consistency. Mm-hmm. And I see that I see that too. There's something very comforting and you build a trust when when there's someone who's very consistent. Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of along the same lines, uh, she says, get back to everyone and be helpful. The music industry is a business of peaks and valleys. If you are consistent, you will go up, you will go down, you'll go up, you'll go down. Make sure you try to be helpful and return all calls and emails. When you are in the valley, you want people to help pull you up and not kick you out further or not kick you further down. And that's always super important just in life. Boy, you know, just make sure you respond to those requests. And Yeah, we try to be super... uh, ultra 
uh, responsive. Um, mm-hmm. We often say that if you don't hear back from us in 24 hours, you know, you can start checking the, the hospitals. Uh, <laughs> and we make it a point to get back to people quickly. And you'd be surprised uh, the number. Well, maybe you wouldn't be. But there are a lot of people that we deal with where you're constantly, you know, reminding them, hey, I'm just waiting to hear back on this thing. You know, did you have a chance to take a look? And look, what I always tell people is just respond. You don't have to have the answer. Just respond and say, hey, I got your proposal. It's going to take me a couple of days. Um, Stand by. I'll get back to you. That that sort of thing goes a long way. Absolutely. Uh, the next one, of course, is especially, you know, with Jay's newsletter and then our podcast, we talk about, you know, how everything is changing so quickly. And, and number seven for her is know the laws, understand the deal points and stay current with the with the business. The music business is complicated. We deal in three bundles of rights, copyrights, trademarks and rights of publicity, and they are all governed by different sets of laws and industry customs. Mm. Other attorneys you are dealing with will know pretty quickly when you can't articulate complicated deals terms. So again, staying current with what's going on out there was really hard, especially now. And boy, that is super, super important. Well, right. You and I write about it and talk about it each week, but you know, it's changed while we've been having this conversation and it's, it's challenging, but there are things like your morning coffee, like the newsletter and podcast. And it's not just our stuff. There's lots of great resources out there. We talked about Sherry who and her water and music, you know, there's so many great, you know, Tim Ingham music business worldwide, uh, Bruce Houghton over at Hypebot. There's so many great places where you can go to explore and make sure you're up on your craft. Yeah, absolutely. This is another great one she's mentioned. She says, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. (laughs) Have a circle of people you can trust no matter what. There are a lot of gossips and frenemies in the music business or people who will try and bring you down behind the scenes. Learn who they are and adapt accordingly. I like to break people up in lights. Green lights, always great people, never an agenda and great to be around. Yellow lights, use caution, can be green or red depending on the situation. Mm. And red lights, always proceed with extreme caution always want to shame and blame so you know this is again another life thing which is you know there's so many different facets of weird personalities you have to deal with in the music business and yeah. you got to know who is who and uh and, the, and her next point which is sort of along these lines which is there are two types of business my business and none of my business <laughs> <laughs> over the years i've learned to choose wisely yeah the the one my favorite one of all of these is number 18. Um, I'd love to know if, if you had a couple of favorites in here. Uh, it's no is a complete sentence. It says have boundaries. People will suck you dry if you let them, especially if you are a solution oriented, self-confident person. And, and I've learned that uh, from a lot of people in the business that sometimes the answer is no. And I used to have a boss when I first started at Universal um, where I would come in and say, you know, I got to know today, I got to, I got to set this up, you know, is it okay if I do this? And he would always say, well, if you have to have an answer right now, the answer is no. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think too, when you, when you, when we are, when you, whether you're an artist or, a, or an executive or whatever, when you're starting out, you often say yes to everything because you're trying to, you know, you're just starting right. to climb. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something, something wise to know. And the last one I'll talk about here is, 
and I got to find it. Uh, uh, she, she says, have no fear. A good acronym for fear, F-E-A-R, is false evidence appearing real. Ooh. Don't let it overcome you and keep it moving. False evidence appearing real. Is I'm going to keep that a, one. Yeah, that is a really great one. So, you know, again, it's it's a lot of these life, uh, these are all a, a um, certainly are for the music business or the business of music, but it's just life lessons as well. So that's Dina LaPolt tackling the things that she has learned over the last 20 yeah. years in the biz, in variety. And again, Good I stuff. think we've talked about this, you know, uh, variety used to be principally television, movies, Broadway, stuff like that. They've really, they've, they always covered music, but they really have a lot of great music articles as of late, like Rolling Stone, you know. Oh, yeah. Far I was going to say, just like Rolling Stone, both of them over the last few years have been really great sources for music industry um, news and uh, and interviews. Really great stuff. Absolutely. On that note, Jay, we need to wrap up this edition of the, of the podcast. So... It's time to go out and, and uh, watch our football teams and, yeah. uh, and and just kind of prepare for the week ahead. So we yeah. do want to thank uh, everyone for listening. And we know you've got many choices uh, to listen to uh, in terms of podcasts. And sure. the fact that you are here listening to us uh, brings us great, great joy, pleasure, and appreciation. So big thanks sure does. to everyone for listening in. Our sponsors, TiVo Music Metadata, our good friends over at bands in town and Hypebot. it's just we can't uh and banzoogle boy yeah. we just couldn't do it without you guys so thanks we appreciate so much, it guys and gals i should say and on that note we will wrap it up so thanks for listening we will be back next week on the your morning coffee podcast you've been listening to your morning coffee the weekly music news program for the new music business Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.